American United has a convenient branch right at the VA Medical Center, along with eight other locations across Utah. As a member, our veterans get the best rates on loans and savings products. Learn more at amucu.org. I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Welcome to Ideation Collective. I'm Jess Larson. Today on the show, we've got Ash Kumra. I go off of what I'm inspired to do. And if I go off what trends are, I wouldn't be anywhere I am right now. Because when you live off trends, those are things that you can't control. This is another episode of our Innovation and Leadership series, where we interview rocket scientists, pro athletes, Hollywood filmmakers, and a wide variety of other high achievers. If you like what you hear, we're also going to be releasing exclusive bonus materials like PDF checklists, reports, and presentations, but only for members of the collective. If you're interested in those, as of this recording, you can still join for free on the Ideation Collective website, which is iCollective.co slash free. Again, iCollective.co slash free. Also, before getting rolling, we want to invite you to consider helping the charity our founders started called Child Rescue. We work to combat child sex trafficking in the United States and abroad. One of our foreign projects we're working on right now is helping to build an aftercare orphanage in Cusco, Peru. To learn more about that, please come to the Child Rescue section on our website, iCollective.co slash Child Rescue. So with that out of the way, let's get to the interview. Ash, thanks for being on the show. Hey, how you doing, Jess? Thank you for having me here. Yeah, it's fun to connect through YEC and, uh, you know, I, I've kind of been interested to, for this interview just with you being a White House Award winner and an author, but specifically a media entrepreneur. Tell us about your media businesses. Yeah, no, I'm happy to do that. So uh, I, I think as an entrepreneur, we all have certain gifts. Like there are those guys and girls that are like the fantastic, I don't know, operator builders, like, you know, the Elon Musk types that can build like a billion dollar venture from scratch and raise multiple rounds. And then there's the entrepreneurs that are good at like, let's say SaaS or B2B. Um, I have realized that- You mean I'm, smart people. <laughs> I know. I just, I tend to know a lot of smart people. I'm, and, not, I'm not in that crowd. <laughs> and then there's the money entrepreneurs, you know, the guys and girls that create like the lending trees or become fantastic uh, investors like the Peter Thiels of the world. I look at myself as a uh, media entrepreneur because my gift is really in communications and I'm, I, I'm constantly evolving my craft of – of broadcasting from interviewing to doing speaking events to guiding other companies that have, you know, won events like on Shark Tank and other things. And I've really used my passion for communications to now work on ventures where they're media based. So when this interview probably airs, I will have launched a new entrepreneur kind of communication media site called Youngry, Y-O-U-N-G-R-Y. And for my part of it, I co-founded it is because uh, I wanted to create a new uh, media kind of platform, personally for my own passion on promoting entrepreneurship, but also so that it can be a platform for other great uh, media people to promote the awesome stuff in entrepreneurship. 
Um, and so it's kind of fun for you're like right at this phase where you guys have spent all this time and, and you've got mm-hmm. it ready and you're just about to launch. Tell us what that process looked like in your case. I think for a lot of people that's, you know, they want to do something cool like this, but they don't quite know how all the Lego fits together. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's take a step back for a second. I mean, I dabbled in building businesses for over 10 plus years now. And I have, I basically took me a long time to realize that my gifts really into media and communications. Um, my first business was a entertainment marketing distribution company. And, uh, I like to call that my MBA school because I learned everything about business through that. I, every failing mistake you can make, bad co-founders, you know, dealing with good investors, bad investors, how to negotiate, how to make money, all the things like that. Uh, I was fortunately able to, uh, exit the company but um, th- that whole experience and then my second venture, which is in the um, self-help world, really gave me the uh, fuel and the experience to know how to communicate to entrepreneurs You know um, what things that I would suggest you might want to consider doing to make your uh, entrepreneur hustle journey better. Sure. Um, so, so with Youngry, how yep. long, how long ago did you come up with the idea? And then when did you really buckle down to putting, putting the pieces together here, getting ready for the launch? Yeah, it's a great story actually. So, um, right now, um, I, I was doing an interview, um, almost six, nine, six to eight months ago with a individual, uh, for another entrepreneur venture I was involved with. And, it's weird. Like I didn't plan to talk to him further, but he really wanted to talk to me after. And I'm not trying to sound cocky. Like he just felt like we just need to connect further. He has an eye for talent. So he talked to me and he's like, dude, the thing I like about you is that you're all about mentorship. You're all about, you know, giving back. And you know, a lot of things you're doing are about giving back. And I do a lot of things outside of, you know, uh, business for giving back, which we could talk about later. And he's like, what's your end goal? I said, you know what, honestly, the one thing I've never done is I've never created my own like media property, like a, like an entrepreneur magazine or an ESPN for entrepreneurship. You know, I'm just giving you these examples. And so he's like, well, what's the audience that you really like? I was like, you know, the audience that I really want to help is that young and aspirational version of entrepreneurship, not age wise. I'm not pitching millennials specifically. I'm just pitching like young and experienced and building ventures and creating a platform to help those entrepreneurs first, not only in North America, but across the globe to become better. And he just, this guy just serendipitously was like, well, guess what? Like I've been wanting to do that too for like five years and I was waiting for the right partner. Um, and he has a busy job. He's the, uh, chief strategy officer of a, a very prominent, uh, supplement company called shreds, which is just crushing. And if you type in S H R E D Z comment, Instagram, you on Google, you'll see the crazy success they've been able to do with, uh, Instagram and building this multi, multi million dollar traction empire. And he was like, why don't we work on this together? And, uh, and when he pitched the name Youngry, it just made sense. Cause it's like the young and hungry. And I can go further on how we compliment each other, but like it, it when he well, what, said yeah, that, why don't you tell people what the content is? Like what, who, who, of the people who are listening today, why should people yeah. come to Youngry? Like, what are they going to get at? Because it's for the young and hungry. It's for that entrepreneur, guy or girl. Doesn't matter what industry you're in, and it's content to help you become better at your at your at your passion. So, um, I think right now, if you look at entrepreneur media across the globe or across the pulse, a lot of it's on just like the over insatiable unicorns or 
the the heroes, the Elon Musk of the world. And believe me, like they're all my heroes too. But like, what about like practical like content to help you as a young and hungry entrepreneur become better? What if you saw interviews where it's not just about tell me what it's like to raise a hundred million dollars, but what it's like to you know, build that venture. What were the, or what were your growing pains? What were your failures? What were your mistakes? Imagine a site that will also um, showcase different pitch contests, different entrepreneur events across the globe. That's the kind of stuff that Young Green will be featuring. And I haven't really seen that out there. And f- even if there is something out there, I don't really live anymore on competing with others. I really live for being the best version of myself and building the best products that I can. And so that's the kind of stuff that uh, Young Green will uh, be showcasing. And um, now you've also recently got Tradecrafts growing. Is that – are they related or, or completely separate? They're separate but they're kind of related because of the fact that I'm a co-founder of both. In fact, I met my uh, younger partner by doing a Tradecraft interview. So Tradecraft is focused on transforming the, the way you learn crafts. So basically uh, – Right now, like if you want to learn how to become a sports agent or if you want to learn how to pitch your business, it's very – it's just – it's not that clear, Um, you know, especially if you're like a millennial entrepreneur. So what I decided to do with my partner Ernie and AJ Dugar is uh, build a uh, content site that will offer courses on like how to master your passion. And it's geared for really the younger millennial kind of audience. Um, I haven't really found anything for millennial entrepreneurs that can proper course and training content. So one of the things I was doing with Tradecraft is I was showcasing interviews with you know, how to build a fitness company. And that's how I stumbled upon Encore, the Youngry partner. And that's when we talked about this Youngry stuff after the interview I did with him. Interesting. So um, I'm, I'm obviously uh, interested, you know, I feel like we're in related spaces and really like seeing the success stories of other people who are making this happen. Is your approach more uh, on the user generated or are you guys um, doing the production yourself or what's what's your strategy that way? Yeah, good question. Um, I'm really focused on um, – it's a mixture of both. So one thing I've learned is that um, it's great to have an editorial voice to set the vision. But then if you can find like-minded uh, entrepreneurs and guides and mentors that can take that vision and make it even better, that's kind of the model we're doing. So I think when we initially launch, a lot of it will be internal because like anything, you need to get traction and you need to you know, show people what you're about. So we're definitely up to that task. Um, but at the same time, um, I want to um, get other rock star entrepreneurs and people that have been there and done that. And the premise with Younger is like, listen, like you're a successful entrepreneur. If you can talk to that younger and hungry version of yourself, what advice would you give them? That's the kind of criteria for the people that are uh, going to be contributors for Younger. Okay. Um, you know, I was looking at your uh, Facebook and I saw that you, you know, you really do live this collaboration type of thing. Um, so something like expert dojo, is that somebody you partnered with or is that part of what you guys are doing? What's that? Oh my God. I love Brian McMahon. You know, Brian is first off one of the most amazing people and I'm so glad that you know him and he's in your world because, uh, if that guy, if anyone exudes the term paid for it, it's him. Um, I would look at expert dojo as a content source. So when I mentioned earlier with young, we want to, we will be showcasing, events that will be you know for because for instance where do you live jess uh i'm up in utah these days in the land of deep snowboarding yes so there are a lot of people out there in utah who would love to go to some of expert dojo's events 
but for whatever reason they can't attend because just for whatever reason they can't be in Santa Monica just see it. I would love to showcase either a live stream or an article summarization of the stuff that you learn at Expert Dojo events. Brian would like it because Brian's going to get new audiences for Expert Dojo. And if Brian is building an online community, which I'm going to assume he has been doing so, um, it's going to benefit him. And Youngry, our benefit is that you, Jess, your entrepreneurial community in Utah is going to be getting cool content that you normally wouldn't be getting. So that's how Expert Dojo would be uh, a uh, great collaborator. That's the relationship there. Yeah. So, um, you know, from time to time, we have different authors on the show and you've written a couple books yourself. Yes, to, You know, I'm always fascinated by how different people can approach projects like writing a book and still be successful. Uh, what does your routine look like? Are you a get up at 5 a.m. every morning writer? Are you a, a weekend binge writer? What's, what's your schedule like when you're writing? Uh, I'm an inspired person. I have an inspired schedule. Let me tell you why. Anytime I try to do that, like, and I don't mean to sound offensive when I say it. this is out of respect. Uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, I get up at 5 a.m. every day. First thing I do is answer my phone, get to the office, hustle, hustle, hustle for 18 hours. And then I'm asleep by 1130, get up at 430. It's all about activity. I try that. <laughs> I get sick. I like your, I like your Gary Vaynerchuk impressions there. <laughs> I get sick. No joke. My body is not meant to be structured and rigid that way. No offense to Gary, but it works for him, I guess. I can't do that. I work best when I plan out, you know, short term, the next 10, 30 days. What are the important things I need to work on? And I don't really set time. I just do it. So today, um, you had, you know, you had kindly allowed me to, um, you know, uh, start my interview 15 minutes later because I had to get a surf session in this morning. (laughs) I didn't plan it. I I actually needed to. And I, and I was very cordial. I said, Hey, do you mind if we start 15 minutes later? And if you said no, I would have done the interview, but I just wouldn't have. If you had said it was for surfing in Newport beach, I, you know, that's my favorite surf spot in continental U S I would have said we do an hour and 15, two hours and 15 (laughs) surfing's important. Can't be skipping. Fair enough. But you made a good point. So I'm, uh, I live an inspired life where I work hard, but it's very it's about getting the job done, not again not not with certain hours. And at the same time, I have to constantly be inspired. Like for instance So is it more like a, a mental accounting thing of like, uh, I know I want to get this done by here. So it's not necessarily a set schedule, but it's like, okay, I got my surf in. Now I need you know, I think I wanna I think I wanna write now. Sporadically, like I will make changes to my schedule. So for instance, I have a I have this huge I'm in a I'm a coach to this I'm a business coach right now to this really awesome entrepreneur that I'm meeting eight PM my time. And I he straight up texted me this morning saying, Hey, can I gave him like a task to do? Um, he's being considered for a, a reality show and like he and I had a, I said, You need to study the application. We're gonna go over it today at dinner, like no joke, like because it's we need to know if you're gonna do it or not. And he's like, I read it, I got a lot of questions, I wanna brainstorm with you and I need to be in that right state. So I knew because of that, because today's dinner meeting with him is gonna be very creative and brainstorming, I have to prepare myself for that meeting. The best way for me to be in the most creative state is to run on the beach. Mm. Like have to run five, six miles on the sand, no shoes, and then 
eat food, and then I will be like freaking like a Steve Jobs of entrepreneurship, flowing with ideas, coming up with great content, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but bringing this up is because I can't – that came up last minute. Like I didn't plan to go on this run at 5.30 to prepare for my AP meeting. He texted me this. I had to make changes. So I guess what I'm trying to say to be in a nutshell is that like I move around my schedule based on how inspi- what inspired state I am. And so, well, first, tell everybody the names of your books. Mm-hmm. I created a book series called Confessions from an Entrepreneur. It's a volume one, volume two. Volume one was a bestseller on Amazon. It's in over 150 colleges. It's been published. It's been sold a lot. Volume two wasn't as strong, um, partly because of focus, partly because of marketing, but it still has great content. And then currently... I'm working on a third book called Peak Meditation, which is all about how meditation and being mindful can make you the best performer in business or entrepreneurship. Um, and so that first one where you, where you had this, you know, um, you know, on average success, obviously uh, all writers want their stuff to sell um, and, yep. and not that many are able to get that. Um, how much of that was intentional marketing strategy? How much of that do you think was was timing and being able to react to what was, you know, react to the reactions and double down on things? Uh, I don't really go off reactions. I go off what my own, I go off of, uh, what I, uh, how do I say this? I go off of what I'm inspired to do. And if I go off what trends are, I wouldn't be anywhere I am right now, because when you live off trends, those are things that you can't control. Let me tell you what I mean. I basically am trying to say to you that I don't – I knew when I needed to sell this book that it needed to be in college students' hands. I focused this book on the college market. And did you prep in advance? Like what what did that launch look like? What what was your – Yeah. What's a tactic? What's something that people can learn from how you did it? uh, Basically, I found a niche. So I think the key to selling a book – and this isn't a – what's it called? This isn't a – for just entrepreneur books. This is for any kind of book. I found this out from just talking to people. Um, you have to find a core audience, a core group, your tribe, your promoters that really get this book. So if you're writing a book on, you know, let's say entrepreneurship and you're like, well, you know what? Female entrepreneurs would be loving this. Own the female entrepreneur market before you sell to the masses. I did the same thing with this book. I focus on college students and very early stage entrepreneurs. So what, as my yeah, core what, audience. what did that look like? Did you actually go to campuses and meet with kids? What does that What does that look like? Yeah, I I pretty much hit up every like student club, every school program that you can think of, and that's it. Made those rela- built those relationships in advance. Yeah, sort of and, and I did some things, and I've talked about this before with some people. Um, I'm very transparent. I was like, listen, like I normally charge X amount of dollars for speaking sessions and stuff like that. But if you can, I will come for free. All I need you to do is soft commit to buy my books. I didn't even tell them to buy my books. I don't like that tactic. I think that's a little too salesy. I'm like, give me the chance to present my content and let the students in your department buy the book after you see me. Like I'm that confident in my delivery and what I can offer that I don't need you to like buy them in advance. I just know that I can sell them. And people saw that authenticity and they loved it. And they like, they, you know, they fell for my, uh, my, my, my manipulation. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, we're going to put links to your books on your page, uh, on Ash's page on ideation collective. There'll be links to those. Um, besides your own books, what, uh, what are some standout books that you think entrepreneurs should be reading these days? Any any go-tos that you find yourself going back to or something you've read recently yes. you love? Yes. I, great question. And I'm not typing to be distracted. I'm typing to find the author's name. Give me one sec. I want to tell you this one book. 
and you will I'll explain because I, I know the name I just don't know the author for some reason okay Inside Steve's Brain okay by Leander Caney L-E-A-N-D-E-R last name is K-A-H-N-E-Y and I'll send you the Amazon link uh, right after yeah, this yeah we'll, we'll post it we'll post it to your site okay. to your page too Inside Steve's Brain the guys the publishing company behind this company created this like these small books they're like 200 pages but they're like smaller sized books and they go and they basically de- decompose like the business mind of like certain people. So they created a book called Inside Rupert's Brain, which is in, which is how Rupert, Rupert talks. Yeah, Inside Google's Brain. It was insane. Like that one was amazing. But Inside Steve's Brain is quite possibly the best business book I've ever read because it diagnoses diagnose how Steve Jobs fought, how he won Apple to become the one of the top companies, if not the most influential tech company of our generation, in my opinion. All these factors that you can say about Apple, it all was partially because Steve Jobs had a vision. And this book just goes into it. I've had problems reading other Steve Jobs books because they really focus on his personal. Listen, I'm not defending him. I know he had his flaws. But from a business standpoint, I want to learn from how did he build the companies that he was able to do. And it talks about how he built Apple, how he built Pixar, the thought process, uh, and I recommend every entrepreneur read that book. It's so inspirational. You get so jacked when you read that book. It's not a popular book because more of the other books are more known, like his biography, which is a great book, by the way. Inside Steve's Brain is good. Um, Losing My Virginity by Richard Branson. Yeah, I think I that's love it. Um, what are some other great books? I'm kind of a woo-woo law of attraction kind of guy, so I really like The Secret. Um, the Secret is really interesting because – if you go beyond the hyperbole, it's really simple. It really focuses on, listen, whatever you think you can control and you can be. And that's kind of the law of attraction. And it's just a great book in that sense. Um, I guess those are three books that I would like off yeah. the top of my head that I like. You know, an- another question we like to ask people is who set a good example for them, either early in life or early in their career, a good example of how to treat others. Is there anybody that jumps out at you of, yeah, man, this is who I'm trying to be like? Hands down, hands down my parents. Mm. I mean, my, okay. my parents are, uh, okay, here's what I learned from my parents. My dad always taught me to like be factual, like not like be a scientist. Like, you know, there's a difference between science and religion. I'm talking about like use logic and facts to validate statements. So if I'm going to tell you that, you know, you need to change your podcast strategy, it's not just because I had a gut feeling from surfing. It's like, no, like factually, like this is where I feel the trends are going or this is where I feel um, this is where I've interacted with many entrepreneurs and this is what I'm hearing. It's kind of more factual. Um, you know, for also my mom taught me, and this is why I'm a really good connector. My mom told me like, be friends with everybody, like see good in everybody. And like, so I have all kinds of friends. I'm generally known as a guy who's very positive because I can see good things in everybody. And I've accepted that fact that we all have our flaws, but like, if you overlook them, you can learn from anyone. That's great. Um, you know, I saw you on the board of advisors for the, for UC Irvine, their business school, that innovation and entrepreneurship lab. What? Yep. I, I don't even know. I don't know anything about this. Is it the Beal Center? Is that what it's called? Beal. Beal Center. Yep. T- tell us about the Beal Center for Innovation. What is this place? Yeah, no, great question. So Beal Center is really uh, – so first off, let me give you a landscape of what's going on in uh, the University of California system. So University of California system is probably the most successful um, – public university system in the whole country of sure. North America. Yeah, like, yeah. 
the UCs like, are yeah. Yeah, I mean, individually, there's better schools, but across the board, if you combine the power of the UCs, and if, it's it's insane. So there's a saying that like Berkeley's the past, UCLA is the present hot school. Um, I, UCI is the future. No other UC has gotten more investment in business and entrepreneurship in the last five plus years in the UC system than UCI. So UCI has been very entrepreneurial. Um, the Beale Center is a division within the UCI's business school um, to basically foster entrepreneurship and um, you know foster entrepreneurship and innovation. And the whole goal is to get more students to become entrepreneurs. And for more faculty, alumni, and business people in the, or outsiders, I should say, to connect with the amazing technologies that um, UCI has. Because like all the other UCs, they have an insane amount of patents and corporate federal technology projects, stuff like that. So that's, 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 uh, that's kind of what it's about. And, and how did you get involved with them? I so my what what's happened with me is uh, and this is a great example of um, give me one sec. Hmm. Here's a great example of of uh, why you need to always pay it forward. So you know my labor of love outside of building ventures and being a media kind of broadcaster entrepreneur type is uh, I love mentoring and so I've been on the board of directors for an entrepreneurship nonprofit that provides educational events. Mentorship events. It's probably the oldest entrepreneurship educational nonprofit in Southern California. It's like 30 plus years old called uh, Tech Coast Venture Network. And I've helped with the help of my amazing board. Uh, I'm the chairman of it. I've been able to take it with my board to like being a very influential group. And so UCI's business innovation entrepreneur advisory board committee has noticed me and they kindly asked me to be involved. So I gladly accepted. Very cool. And and I see you're doing, I think it's some advisory work for, for Colab. Is that right? Entrepreneur yeah, kind of yeah, stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, so Colab, they seem like a pretty cool agency. Yeah. So Colab, uh, a close friend of mine, he's also my co-founder with Tradecraft. Ernie Montesala is, is the founder CEO of Colab. Ernie has created or helped create many brands, vitamin, I mean, a NOS energy drink, which is like a billion dollar energy drink. You can see it on like every UFC fight. There's always NOS or monster. Um, he created the Starbucks app. He developed the idea for Coke rewards. He's just a super creative guy. And, uh, they specialize in social media work. And one of the things that I'm really passionate about is crowdfunding. Cause I feel like a lot of early stage entrepreneurs can become successful by leveraging the crowd to get social proof. So I pitched them an idea saying, why don't I help you build a crowdfunding division and use your services to offer a crowdfunding potentials to go big. And so that's what I'm helping them develop. So, you know, all this thing where they're agency of record for, you know, some powerhouse brands, the folks like Red Bull, for instance, what, I mean, Red Bull is this, this huge machine. What, what would they do for Red Bull? Social media and creative work. So creating the apps, creating uh, viral campaigns, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, we've had a, a number of guests lately from the crowdfunding space. I'm interested in um, just your kind of vision of, of where you feel like the strategic opportunities are in crowdfunding or, or what maybe, you know, crowdfunding is such a big buzz. Everybody knows it's the future. It's such a, a democratizing opportunity to test things before you've dumped a ton of money in. 
Um, is there anything about crowdfunding that you think is going to have a big impact that maybe everybody else hasn't quite caught on to yet? I think I think people I think more people need to look at crowdfunding as the fastest way to get social proof. Because here's the thing, like if you raise money on crowdfunding site and assuming the money is being used to create a product or ship product or something of that sort, you basically have shown to an investor or a bank or other or larger communities that like people want my product. And if that concept was more adopted, I think you'd see even more crowdfunding campaigns. Case in point, if you look at Shark Tank, almost like literally like at least one out of every 10 pitches that are product-based, they all are generally got their start due Kickstarter or Indiegogo. And generally the investors are like, okay, that makes sense because they get it that like that shows that like you've developed some revenues and you developed some product. So I think that philosophy of of is something that's going to be further, further evangelized. And that's why you see Indiegogo, Kickstarter, Kicking Butt, and other niche sites, and why even with Title Three when that launches, this is this today's interview. I believe it's launching on May sixteenth. Technically, I don't. Yep. It's not official, but it's you know that's the rumors. Uh, I'm not a financial planner or anything like that, so I can't confirm. These no, no, statements. you're right. It's a, it's the sixteenth. Okay, so my point is, is that when it, assuming that law happens, assuming that there's official, you know, Title Three vetted portals, that's going to open up the doors even more because that makes the non-accredited investors be able to invest in ventures via crowdfunding tools, which is going to be kind of interesting. Yeah, um, we we've got a number of guests coming on about that. Some lawyers and some platform uh, Good. people that uh, are you talking to uh, Start Engine. Oh, we haven't talked. We haven't uh, connected with them. Who are those guys? I I will definitely connect you with them because, in my opinion, if there's anyone who's evangelized the notion of equity crowdfunding opportunities, it's definitely Start Engine. They're the first. They're one of the first ones to do like a substantially large Reg A like uh, you know investment um, offline. I'll connect you to them. I think Ron Miller, who's the co-founder, would be a great interview for you. Oh, that's great. Yeah, we're we're trying to get as many different opinions and perspectives on as we can both you know from the securities lawyers to the issuers who are actually raising money to the platforms and uh, we're hoping to actually be kind of a central hub where everybody can come bring their perspectives and ideally you know the the entrepreneurs the listeners can get the multi you know the multi perspective on it and and really feel confident about moving forward awesome you know something that that's new and has some certain technicalities that need to be met to stay on the right side of the law with it um we actually have even reached out to a securities regulator. We're, we're right on the fence about whether they're going to be on the show. So I'm, I'm hoping for that one. Um, you know, uh, another question we'd like to ask different guests is with the charity, we started Child Rescue, trying to combat child sex trafficking, whether it's helping raise money for an undercover rescue mission or uh, expand an aftercare orphanage like the one we're building in Cusco, Peru right now. Uh, what advice would you have for us of trying to get more people involved in a cause like that? Well, going back to my book example, and I can use the same thing with uh, my nonprofit. Um, actually, I'll just use my nonprofit hat for a sec because yeah. Tech Coastal Network, um, one of the great things about happening in Orange County and greater LA areas, like entrepreneurship is like really sexy right now. So there's all these like organizations and meetup groups and even schools like UCI that are trying to like grab entrepreneurship people and advocates. And I think the reason why uh, Tech Coast Venture Network has been able to sustain itself, and it's had some rough times. I mean, membership's been low, event attendance has been low, but right now it's been really, really high as of this you know, interview, is because we've been really focused on a core audience. So Tech Coast Venture Network's core audience is early stage entrepreneurs, like Series A at the most, but generally pre-Series A. 
that's our audience. If you're Series B, Series C, private equity, biotech, med tech, your audience will not find value in Tech Coast Venture Network. Um, that focus is why we're, you know, really, really, you know, sustaining ourselves. And that audience focus has been around for 10 plus years to my knowledge, even before I got involved. So why I'm saying this is that like, if you're trying to solicit funds or solicit audience or solicit awareness, find that core group of advocates or core audience members and just own that audience. Instead of trying to go for 10,000 people, go for 100 people that are like that core fanatical group. That's what I would do for you if I were your nonprofit to expand it. That's great. Um, so uh, tell us a little bit about winning the White House Awards. Yeah, totally, total humble experience. Um, so taking a step back, around the time I was in the process of, you know, when my first company was doing really well, I decided to become a public speaker and work on my first book at that time around my success of like what it took and all the lessons I learned from meeting other entrepreneurs. And there was an award thing that uh, the White House administration offered, which was for like the top 130 under 30 entrepreneurs. And so blessed that um, I was nominated by someone who was involved in that whole initiative. And um, I got an award from the White House and got to speak on whitehouse.gov, make a little speech. It was pretty cool. And, uh, you know, it was a very humbling experience. In fact, when I won that award, it was funny because, like, that whole trip was, like, meeting all these big-wig entrepreneurs like Steve Case, who, you know, co-founded AOL, Uber Billionaire, and all these other rock stars. And I met all these, like, senators and national entrepreneurship advocates. It made me realize that, like, I needed to do more locally. In fact, like, one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about my nonprofit, Tech Coast Venture Network, and when I say my nonprofit, I don't own it. I'm just on the board. I mean, it's just a piece of me, like, I just as a nonprofit. Um I wanted to take that further and make it a leading force in entrepreneurship education for the local entrepreneurship community. So I want something global, but it made me want to work more on local. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Um, well, uh, when you think about um, how many people, they they have their co-founders and they're working on something, maybe they're an entrepreneur, you know, in a big company and they're trying yeah. to innovate something, right? Um, and they they've been out in the wild watching the customer and they really they really feel like they've got that factual evidence that there is the gap in the market that that is looking for what they've got and they they legitimately know they've got a better mousetrap um then they're faced with this issue of well how do we create the kind of magnet for people to find out about it um you know you have uh, been able to connect with a, a number of different people who are connectors do you have any advice for folks who are they're trying to figure out how to, we've got something awesome. How do we get everybody to find out about it? Um, do you have anything that's not just the, the standard answers as far as um, a psychology or an approach or a, a way that you build relationships in the in? Um- yeah, I know what you're trying to say. And um, I'm going to use my nonprofit example again. The fastest way to become credible with people is to pay it forward. The reason why Brian McMahon is so successful, one of the reasons why is that that guy gives, gives, gives. What people might not know about Brian, and he's humble enough to talk about this, is that that guy has been doing paid forward labs and other relate versions of expert dojo forever, like last three to five years. He just gives, gives, gives. I mean, I'm sure he has a revenue source to keep the stuff sustaining and make himself a living, which I totally advocate because you need to live, you need to have some abundance if you're to enjoy your passion, what you're passionate about. 
But that guy has given so much that when you decided to create a full-on expert dojo lab or expert dojo, which is where in Santa Monica, and I've been blessed to be a mentor judge on some of his events there, everyone just opened up their wallets, their contacts, their networks and said, how can we help? And that is a great example of someone who does that. On a smaller level, getting involved with a cause and just being that rock star, what, what, what's cool is that like – you know, if you help help put on these high profile events, you're going to meet high profile people. And if you do it selflessly, high profile people will notice you. The number one trait to being successful is to be likable. It's no longer about being that a hole Steve Jobs type personality that's like my way or the highway. People are over that. People want likable people. You'd rather have a likable person than like an ego selfish person who thinks he knows it all. Yeah, you know, one of the things that we're interested in here too, kind of the whole. IDO, radical collaboration, you know, what can we learn from other areas that would apply to what we're doing kind of thing. Um, I'm interested in the fact that you surf uh, because it's a sport that seems so fun and then most people give up on the first try because it's it's so hard to know where to sit and when to paddle and how, how to get up before the wave crashes on you. Um, how long ago did you get into surfing? Over 10 years now. Yeah. Um, for me, at least, that was the experience. You know, I'd grown up snowboarding and skateboarding, and I remember everyone was telling me, oh, surfing's, surfing's really hard. Like, you're really going to have to work at this. And I'm thinking, oh, please. You know, I got up wakeboarding my very first pole. Like, how hard could it be? <laughs> and then I get out there, and I just get manhandled, you know? Yeah, I know what you mean. And it's like, it really is this repetition, like the Daniel Coyle talent code book about, like, show, showing up and, and doing enough repetition for your brain to start picking things up. What, what was yep. learning to surf like for you? Um... I well, first off, I had an advantage because I'm a really good swimmer and I love swimming. So I think if you're a good swimmer, it's a lot easier to jump into it than if you're not a good swimmer. <laughs> so that helped me. Um, yeah, what, sore shoulders, I, people. Say it again. <laughs> sore shoulders. If you're me, yeah, right. Just paddling oh, really? out, I'm already tired. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Um, you know, at the same time, um, I really found it spiritual. Like it's kind of cool that like you could. You know, you are seeing this, you're doing this thing that's so spiritual and it's like you're touching this wave that's constantly going and flowing and it puts you in this flow. And in fact, um, surfing helped me get into meditation and other things. In fact, it was the first real spiritual practice that I really developed. So that's why I always have a homage to surfing. Yeah. It's funny you describe it that way. I feel like I know what you're talking about. I think about like my uh, happy Gilmore, my happy place, right? (laughs) Yeah. And I think like, you know, if you go snowmobile snowboarding and you get on top of a mountain after fresh snow and it's just like dead quiet and you can see for miles and miles, you feel like you can see like the whole creation of the earth up there and you're alone and it's dead quiet. It's just like this ultimately peaceful place. And like the other place that I really feel like that is south side of the Huntington Beach Pier at 530 in the morning, the only time of day that California is quiet. And it's like you, two other surfers, the only time of day that the ocean is glassy, right? Glassy waves pelicans are dive bombing you in formation maybe there's a dolphin and a couple other surfers and it's like this just like amazingly calm centered kind of thing being out there oh for sure um well listen we appreciate you making time for us today any any parting advice or anything else that you feel like has really served you well yeah do things follow follow your passion not a trend so um i advocate to anyone that Passion-driven entrepreneurship is always better than trend-based because trend-based is easy to get swayed by what people are thinking or what trends are. But when you're passion-driven, you always find a solution to solve a meaningful problem. That's great. Well, thanks again for sharing. 
Thank you. And that's the show. Thanks for listening today. Again, if you're interested in the bonus materials that we will be producing, make sure to come to our website and join the Ideation Collective while it's still free. The website, iCollective.co slash free. Again, iCollective.co slash free. And as always, if you want to learn more about getting involved in helping the team rescue kids from traffickers, please visit iCollective.co slash childrescue. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations.